0: Hello and welcome to the Tokyo AI Podcast, Episode 6. It's been a while since I've done this, but uh, due to the the COVID-19, it threw everything into um, quite the little place. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Matthew Bigelow, coming to you from Tokyo, Japan and uh before i go into the the main point of the podcast here which is kind of an idea about using your uh biometric data as a type of war bond so that the type of technology that you essentially invest in by providing data to a type of company or value system will hopefully come back to you in a in a return form that values you and your contribution uh, instead of the other way around or instead of some other thing that comes in and takes it all away. But before we do that, I would just like to say that uh, congratulations to OpenAI, the GPT-3 API. I don't know if you call it a platform or whatever it is, but it's a uh, neural linguistic program and it. I've seen some amazing applications used with it. To, um, the one that I really liked was creating buttons for websites with inputting text only. So the user puts in something like, I want a button that calculates plus $5 and subtracts minus $3 and then a total button and plus a button to give all my money away. And you just type that in, push the enter button, and it creates that for you. Um, you can interact with the result of your request. It's like a search for it's like a search' like a Google search or a search term, but it creates it for you. It creates your own search. It's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, and it will create the thing you want to happen, but it will also provide you the code in which to make it happen. So you don't have to have an army of coders spending all their time deciding how to best make the color of a website match what you want it to through just clicking in keys all day. You just say, I want this to look like this, and I want it to do this. And it'll do it for you. And uh, even though some people say it's a little bit early to be celebrating this, I say, I don't know, it's pretty cool, actually, uh, just to type in what you want, and then it makes it for you, and provides you the code with it. It's self-actualizing search, and it creates the search that wasn't available to you before you searched it. It's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. So I like getting in front of a mic sometimes and blagging away. I, I didn't really think about it when I was, um, you know, tossing the idea around on my noggin, and now that I did, it's uh, an interesting point. Uh, to consider. So, anyways, congratulations to uh, OpenAI. I've been following them for a few years, and a lot of what they were doing was pretty interesting. They had the fake news generator that was this so-called, where you could input the first sentence, and it would create a document based on your first sentence. And through the neural network applications, it would find relative topics to talk about. So, if you're talking about like um Japanese telecom and American um, tariffs it would search through related terms and bring up companies associated with those and statements by CEOs that never happened and things like that. And uh, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, of course, Elon Musk had a hand at it at the beginning and it's taking on a life of its own. It seems uh, it being an AI platform and all. So there is that. Uh, but today actually um, today's podcast is, is coming from a, a blog I recently wrote, um, about, um, what I was saying before, your face as a war bond for the facial recognition panopticon. Now, what do I mean by that? And this is from my blog, from my website, com forward slash blog. I hadn't done an AI episode in a few months and I was walking around, uh, central tokyo today past the diet building which is like a local <laughs> local it's a local building where all of the main government goes to decide everything that we never really get to see one of those local places and I was like ah, I could read this out in microphone and uh, see how it goes for the tokyo AI podcast um, so this comes yeah so matthew pm Bigelow.com forward slash blog uh you could jokingly say www if you wanted to dot dot com forward slash blog, which is also the where you can find the Japan What podcast, and uh, which is a podcast hosted by myself and Mike Rogers, a DJ legend, radio DJ legend here in Tokyo, uh, where we interview and uh, discuss lifestyle, tech, and um, yeah, news, but also um, it's kind of a life culture, I guess you could say. All right. Not a very good plug. Let's begin. Your face is a war is a bond. Your face is a war bond for the facial recognition panopticon. Let's begin. I worked at a major Japanese telecom for about five years, and my students were engineers, and they wanted to know about IoT, AI, and tech markets. Uh, the students were also executive level, and um, had graduated in degrees in wireless communications. um, And a lot of them were responsible for, for example, making the cost of uh, per gigabyte of uh, streaming data to the company decrease from about 1,000 yen or 10 bucks a gigabyte to under 80 yen or 80 cents around per gigabyte. And um, the company then took that and repackaged those savings into a new product And now I have 50 gigabytes of downloading um, available to me on a monthly basis. So anyways, so for that duration, about five years, that's what I did every day. Finding tech, how telecoms are changing through the use of smartphones, and how emerging countries were taking advantage of smartphone tech and networks to make new and incredible things happen. Here are some common themes. Facial recognition ATMs in China. Just look at an ATM and money comes out of it. Smart contactless cash registers. Just scan your baked goods and pay uh, with a QR code. This was With Wheat, uh, uh, Sino Ventures, Kaifu Lee-backed um, company. And this technology has recently been seen in Shinago. Uh, AI cameras that scan uh, train tracks for preemptive maintenance. This was in Switzerland, where smoother tracks are, I mean more carriages on the lines, which translates into more people and freight, which translates into more dollars. Uh, uh, what was interesting about that is the amount of um, problems they encountered with uh, clamps because there's so many different clamps and clamps in different weather conditions and clamps with maybe different components or slight changes and a camera fixed to the bottom of a train would keep uh, uh, sending back false positives uh, to the uh, operations center and all of these mechanics would be sent out to the mountains of Switzerland to repair some sort of damage, and they would get up in some mountainous, you know, area on some bridge, and they would look and say, "Nope, that's just a clamp." And uh, the shadow at the time of day it was filmed uh, screwed around with the AI uh, camera system, but they managed to um, make it work. And now they're selling it to other companies, and they might even be using it in Japan sometime soon um IoT go round sushi uh, keeps sushi fresh and shops can automatically order stocks when low which is a, it's a very interesting system just a bunch of sensors put onto the bottoms of the plates and uh the sensors are read uh, you know every time they go around and if they're up on there for too long they'll automatically be um rerouted to a garbage and if for example uh, a bunch of people come in at 3 p.m. and they all for some reason wanted a bunch of tuna and the tuna uh, tuna stocks are low, um, it will automatically order more tuna from the distribution center and it will arrive in time for the evening uh, rush. And so if you have an uh, afternoon worker and they leave at 4 p.m., then the new guy comes and he's not aware of what's going on. And then the The shop runs out of its main um, offering. Uh, People get angry and everybody looks stupid. So it was, it was a very, uh, you know, this was through AWS, Amazon Web Services. It's kind of an old service. It's about 10 years old, Mm, through Jiro Sushi, I think it's called. So incredible tech using incredible wireless telecom networks. And incredible doesn't always mean positive. Nuclear bombs are incredible. And so is facial recognition, an incredible tool doing incredible things. Uh, And here's where I get editorial. Let's go. It's time for everybody to consider their role in the upcoming network and tech world. The network-backed tech world, we can also say. Data is expected expected to be the fuel that powers the next century. Whoever gets that data gets the fuel to power their AI systems that rely on telecommunications networks. As Adam Curry, the podfather, the creator of the podcast, likes to say, data is the new bacon. While facial recognition is only a tool, how it is used by the telecom or operator will determine if the tool will benefit or harm not only the user, but their society at large. So who do you trust with your biometric data? For example, the idea here is biometric war bonds. And I have on my website here a uh, a facial recognition um, ticket wicket being tested in Osaka by a user. A drone with facial recognition and a thermal camera can help find a lost child in the woods. It can also be used to ethnically cleanse a rival group of people with enough weaponized drones equipped with ethnic readers. Where you point your face will determine how that tech is applied in the future. After iterations backed with values, and of course, what I mean by that is, um, it seems innocuous at the time, but the more that the data is collected and iterated, and the values, whoa, and the values, um, of 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 the company or society at large get iterated into those applications, uh, will be evident in the future of how it's uh, being used for. War against you. China is probably the world's leader in the physical implementation of AI products and services being used not only on a daily basis by people, but also on a daily basis in the 3D world. That means outside of uh, research institutes and the like. And the complete lack of privacy laws in China combined with its rapid acceleration to the world's number two GDP is really giving a ton of governments, corporations, and telecoms pause. And by pause, I mean shitting their pants. Why? Because the Chinese wireless AI technology tends to work really well, while at the same time totally disregarding the individual's concern for privacy. Because China, in China, privacy is not even an afterthought. For the past few years, some schools in China have been using AI cameras to evaluate a student's in-class performance. The student's results are sent to the parent's smartphone in the form of a report. But the parent does not only receive their child's scores. The parent receives the scores from the entire class with names included. Your phone goes beep and now you know how your student compares to all of the other students with cute photos of your child smiling in the class at 3.33pm or whenever the timestamp is. Other Chinese applications monitor women and determine how birth-ready they are and whether or not they are single or married. This data is collected in the open and is constantly being stored on open servers with no passwords. Pushing further into China, we can look at the genetic monitoring of ethnic minorities, where their medical data is taken, then stored within a QR code. Combined with AI surveillance systems, these minorities can be tracked in real time, and if their genetics are required by the state, then it's essentially on demand. Get the picture? Groupthink is also established by algorithmically notifying the Gen Pop what to think and when to think it with state-sponsored news sent to everyone's phones. Furthermore, Chinese nationals use their phones nowadays with Chinese commerce apps outside of China, which gives the CCP or the Chinese Communist Party insight into how their citizens behave when out of earshot. And which also weirdly acts as a way to keep Chinese spending inside China through the use of Alipay and WeChat Pay. What I mean by that is uh, they don't go to... The Chinese tourists more and more nowadays don't need to exchange their renminbi into a foreign currency. The foreign currency is exchanged back into renminbi uh, inside of China. Uh, It's a brilliant strategy, by the way, uh, because... It's hard to get renminbi out of China, but with this method uh, before the COVID and all that, having the Chinese um, uh, tourist industry act as tentacles of ways to um, bring money back into China without having to exchange it outside of China is uh, pretty frickin' smart. Finally, the name and shame approaches by the CCP also involves uh, tracking jaywalkers, famously and finding them in real time, and the infamous facial recognition toilet paper dispenser that allows you 70 or 90 centimeters of toilet paper every 10 minutes through a face scan so you don't selfishly use too many shit tickets. But the list of these applications goes on and on and on, with little to no concern for individual privacy. So, what happens in the future If your country does not develop this technology, will your leaders, quote, just import it from China? It's cheap and it works, end quote. That is what Europe is doing. German trains using Huawei IoT networks and Swiss elevator companies equipping all of their elevators with hundreds of sensors, all connected back to Huawei. You know, the speed of the elevator, you know, the issues of the elevator, you know, how many people are in the elevator, and then you can track um, <laughs> uh, people's elevator movements. Or will your country develop facial recognition technology and limit its AI parameters, limit the data it collects, and store the info within encrypted in-country data centers? Considering the current batch of sketchy, incompetent leaders across the Western world, many of them childless, they will just, quote, import it and make it cheap End quote, and then go back to talking about global warming. But I'm in Japan. As facial recognition becomes more of a common sight in Japan, it's important to use it. Uh, Japan has very strict privacy laws, and while violations occur, violators are subject to punishment by law, as well as public scrutiny. In my time in the Japanese telecom, maintaining privacy over user data was a constant top topic, Um, Because if the personnel data is leaked, personal data is leaked in Japan, trust is immediately eroded and customers will choose another option. In America, you are rewarded for your successes. In Japan, they punish you for failure. Japan is a high trust society and the Japanese don't like it when public trust is compromised as a general rule of thumb. In order to provision Japanese companies with the data they need to offset Chinese Communist Party technological influences, consider using Japanese or homegrown facial recognition technology. In Japan, NEC and Panasonic are good places to start, I hope. It's possible to exist anonymously in a facial recognition camera world. For example, your face is not recorded as such. Your face's biometric data is recorded and anonymized into a code. And when you are walking about the town, your face passes through the cameras without the cameras registering your data. In the present tense, your face could be searched super easily after the fact. If, for example, the police are looking for a dangerous criminal, they can release that criminal's biometric code into the telecom network-supported AI camera systems, which will scan public spaces for the individual's biometric code. Once that code is spotted, a red box appears around his or her face in the camera, and now that suspect can be tracked in real time by the coppers while the innocent go about their day. Send in the drones! And that's a uh, Chinese idea as well, where a, a copper with a, a AR or a mixed reality goggle uh, will be able to um, push a bunch of virtual buttons and record your face and then send a drone squad to hunt you down. The risk of abuse of this technology is obvious. I researched this over-the-horizon future tech for five years, and I disliked more than liked the overall use of its applications due to the possible rampant abuses by the main players. For example, I wonder about Israel and China teaming up to create an international AI spy grid under our noses under the guise of mutual cooperation strategy in the Middle East, my wording. I also worry about Facebook and Twitter establishing a de facto social credit score in the West and punishing people for thought crimes. Facebook banned me from its advertising platform, and I don't know why, but I suspect some of the crazy Marxists in the Tokyo music scene reported me for or think, or um, adding on to that, perhaps it was some uh, a podcast I did speculating about um, war scenarios between Japan and Korea, but it was just like a a what-if situation. Anyways, the more the CCP iterates this technology to monitor its 1.4 billion civilians, the stronger their AI technology will become, and it may become less and less feasible for your country to develop its own practical facial recognition technology. So you might want to use your face as a war bond to bolster the AI technology in your own country before another country with closed and shady morals implements it for you. Remember, data is is a power source. The cleaner it is, the more valuable it is. It's going to be scanned in public. It's going to be scanned in public. It's going to be scanned in public. One of the few options you have is who do you provision your biometric data to? We live in incredible times. It's time to do incredible things with your face, oddly enough. I run the Japan What podcast. If you like what you've listened to here, you might want to consider listening to the Japan What podcast, available on all platforms. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Good luck in the COVID, and congratulations again to the OpenAI successes in the artificial intelligence field, everybody. Thank you. Cheers.